0: Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Misery Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information and Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Friday, August 26th, we're studying Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 to 29. Moses speaks to Israel concerning the tithe that they are to present to the Lord in the place that he will choose. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Jacob Dandy. Pastor Dandy serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terra California. Pastor Dandy, welcome back to Sharp
1: Iron. Ah, It's great to be here with you.
0: Let's talk a little context today. Pastor Dandy, what should we know about Deuteronomy and everything leading up to chapter 14, the section that we've got today?
1: Uh, yeah. So, um, Deuteronomy is uh, a, a repeat uh, as as Moses is kind of recounting uh, the law of God and the uh, experiences of the people of Israel kind of leading up to this point as they stand on the far side of the Jordan River um, preparing to enter into the promised land, right? Uh, and so everything that we read in Deuteronomy, um, for the most part, has been, uh, it's, it's kind of a rehash of what's already been uh, explained and told to the people, that's why it's called the Deutero, uh Book, uh, uh, the Deuterocan, are not Deuterocanon, but the Deuteronomy. Uh, it's the it's the second telling of the law here, uh, and so Moses is giving his kind of farewell sermon to the people of Israel. Um, and, and you know, up to this point, we've been you know warned against idolatry, um, uh, and in, in chapter fourteen, uh, we've been told about. Um, uh, uh, you know, even some of the minute details, uh, that the people, uh, should live under, right? Uh, and so, uh, how they cut their hair, uh, and then uh, clean and unclean food up through chapter 14. Um, and now we're getting into this point where, uh, we are addressing the tithe. Um, uh, and this is the, the increase that God provides for the people of Israel, right? Uh, and so as we, as we think about these things, right? Um, uh, we remember the words that God begin, or Moses begins with and, and talking about all of these issues in chapter 14, where, where he says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession and out of all the peoples of the face of the earth so so god is really um distinguishing the children of israel as his own god I, you know uh, this is also repeated in chapter 26 i think this is kind of a um a continual theme throughout deuteronomy but as we look at this in chapter 26, uh, at the very end of that, we're, we're getting to the end of some of these repeats of the law. And it says, This day the Lord your God commands you to do all these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all of your heart and all of your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his rules and will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession and as he has promised you and that you are to keep all his commandments and this uh, and that he will set in you praise and fame and in honor high above all the other nations that he has made and that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God just as he has promised and so as we, we think about those kind of details uh, of the law, well, well, what's the purpose of all of this? Um, as we, we think about what all these little aspects, what the people are to eat, how they're to cut their hair, what sort of fabric they wear in their clothing, how they spend their time, how they honor the Sabbath. And in this section, how do they make use of the providential wealth that they receive from God? Um, well, these are all things that are meant to distinguish them as the people of God. Uh, and and really what it boils down to, it's all about an orientation of life um, that sets people apart from the nations of the world. God wants his people to stand out. God wants his people to look different and to be different and to care about different things. And this sort of distinction is meant to be kind of orientated and and into two things, namely, um, first and foremost, the proper worship of God, and then also with that, the love for the neighbor. Uh, and, you know, We boil that down as we, we think about the summary of the law. You know, What is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then the second of these is love your neighbor as yourself. Um, this is what God is doing. And actually, we'll see that pretty clearly in what God um, uh, commands and what God teaches the people concerning the tithe as we, we dig into this text.
0: All right. So we're in Deuteronomy 14, beginning at verse 22 this morning. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. That's our text for today. That's Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 to 29. So, Pastor Dandy, you you said very helpfully that within this text particularly, we see how the Lord has concern both for loving him above all things and also loving the neighbor as yourself. How do those two aspects come together? How do they play out here in this particular matter of tithing, giving 10%? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, and that's, that's, of course, you know— That's what tithe means. It's a a tenth portion out of all that, yeah all of your income or all the increase of your of your yield. Right. Um, And and the general function of the tithe um, uh, falls under really maybe two or three categories, however you want to divide it up. But um, first, it's to provide for the Levites because they share no inheritance in the land right? And so we, we think about um, uh, all the different tribes of Israel, right? Uh, you know, Judah, Levi, Simeon, uh, Dan, uh, Benjamin, you know, all of them, uh, you know, Ephraim and Manasseh, the half tribes, uh, they all had a share or a portion of the land uh, except the Levites, right? Um, the Levites were not given a, a portion of the land to settle. They were given cities to dwell in. uh, And then they were expected to receive from the people of Israel all that was needed because they were to be devoted um, to the service and care of God's tabernacle right um they they were to be devoted to uh carrying that about um whenever they had to move the the uh they were to be devoted to the um kind of maintenance of the tabernacle uh different clans within the tribe of levi had different responsibilities uh and so their their lives were really meant to uh revolve around the the worship of god making sure that god's people were provided with the means that god commanded for their worship. Um, and the other use is, uh, for the, uh, societal needs of the cities of Israel, um, that, that you, you would have this every third year, the tithe would kind of be piled up in the cities so that the poor, um, uh, and the Levites and, um, all these other folks who, who, uh, were, 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 Were for some reason whatsoever, with in need, could come and and receive from that tithe, food to eat uh, and and be able to have provision for themselves. You know, God God did not desire um, for any of his people of his of Israel to be impoverished, Um, and then indirectly, uh, the tithe provided for the priest through the the tithes of the Levites, as the the Levites received 10%, um, then a tenth of what they received went to those of the the descendants of Aaron, the Aaronic priesthood. Uh, And so then the priest would be provided for in this, and then the priest would also be provided for through um, the first fruits and the offerings brought to the temple as well, that these things would be be holy to the priesthood, and and so and when you when you look at okay where where does God say these tithes need to go? Well, they go directly. Um, A, they go directly to the people who are are given the, the duty and the calling from God, the this really kind of special vocation for the people of Israel in the Old Testament of maintaining and caring for uh these these instruments and these buildings uh uh, for the worship of god so that the people of god always would be able to know they could go to the tabernacle it would be well cared for it would be provided for them so that they could participate um, in their regular worship of god but then also to ensure that that there was, there was no pauper among God's people um, that, that the, the poor and the, uh, those in need, the, the widows, the orphans, uh, they would be provided for. Um, and so as we see that, that this orientation uh, really falls under the entire spirit of the law that Jesus delivers us in the New Testament to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That you would, um, for, for a child of God, um, it, it's, it's absolutely wonderful and absolutely necessary uh, to see to it that um, your worship is provided for. And, you know, we see that throughout the history of the church, right? Um, uh, uh, you, you have all these Lutherans moving to uh, North America. And what was their first thing they do? Well, they start building Lutheran churches and Lutheran schools um, um, before they build their cabins, before they, they, they start their farmsteads and, you know, this is what they're doing, right. They're, they're focused on this. Um, but then also, you know, it's to, to ensure that, you know, we, we as Christians have this calling to love our neighbor um, and to, to care for them and their physical needs. And especially those who, who, really have legitimate need. Um, and in the time of the Old Testament, that would have been uh, orphans and, and widows and those who are completely dispossessed of any means of uh, providing for themselves. And so this, this is what we see uh, God commanding with how the Israelites uh, use and uh, put to use this portion of their, their increase, the wealth that God provides mm-hmm. for them.
0: One of the things that strikes me about, particularly the matter of the worship aspect of this, although, and it certainly plays into, as you said, the love of neighbor as well, but there's there's a great sense of joy in this text, which is maybe not what we think about when we think about giving oh, yeah sometimes we don't we don't necessarily think about it with joy but when you when you look at the way the Lord arranges this you know, you take the tithe to the place where his name is is going to dwell which this is going to be the temple in Jerusalem but you actually you eat there that mm-hmm. is, this is a meal that yeah. he's talking about and then he makes the provision you know if the place is too far away so that you can't physically carry all of the grain with you or the, all the animals can't follow you you can exchange it for silver take the silver with you and buy something there and, and notice like this is good food and good drink that you're going to be providing there at this meal. Mm -hmm. And it even says there in verse 26, this is a a meal of joy, you and your household. I I just, I love the way that joy is such a central element in this matter of
1: tithing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and maybe a way that, uh, and uh, not entirely, but maybe, maybe a way that we can think about this, this, this is like our, our modern Thanksgiving feast, right? um that um we we have this or, or or maybe in the olden days they call it a harvest festival uh where where you have these these fruits of the earth that um you have toiled for and and god has in his love and providence uh, provided for you, and so what are the people of Israel going to do? Well, they're going to go before the Lord and celebrate their feast, and so they're going to go to the tabernacle um, and and later the temple, and they're going to to celebrate and give thanks and have a meal of thanksgiving um, before God for for this great provision that He He provides for them. You know, I, I think a lot of times when we uh, you know. Um, uh, you know, every once in a while, you know, pastors have to, you know, maybe do a sermon on um, um, a word that, you know, kind of becomes, uh, uh, arduous or toilsome in, in church circles. And that's, that's the, the sermon on stewardships, right? You know, um, you know, how are we good (laughs) stewards of what God provides? And, And it basically, it usually boils down to, um, Hey, we, we have these needs in the church, give money, um, uh, and give money joyfully because that's, that's what you're expected to do. Right. And, um, that's, that's very true. Uh, but I think sometimes we fail to capture, um, the the joyful reason behind that giving right uh as as you know w- what does your heart yearn for and and you think about uh what the psalmist says you know it's better to be a doorkeeper in my house the house of the lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked lord i love the habitation of your house and the place where the gl- your glory dwells um, and then you know you may oh that i would dwell in the uh in the house of the lord forever Right, that the Christian heart, uh, um, that this heart that is recreated by the Holy Spirit, finds its greatest and ultimate joy um, in the worship of God, because in that worship of God we stand before the God who lives and dwells in mercy for our sake and cares for us. Right. Um, uh, And so this this uh, this this cheerful and joyful um, worship of God with the fruits of the earth. And of course, there's there's no way if, you know, you think about um, a 40 acre field and the yield of grain that it has um, or or, you know, and and all of that, um, there's no way they ate all of that before the Lord and their worship. A lot of that would be then given as a holy offering to the priest and all of these things, and that would have been wonderful. Um, uh, but to, to really dedicate that part of their income to this joyful process of coming and standing before God in thanksgiving, in praise, in joy, uh, knowing that this God is merciful, that this God has provided me this increase of grain or this firstborn of my flock um, is, is something that you know, the Christian heart, according to the spirit of God, yearn for, it, yearns for, it. and though maybe the flesh is like, well, I want that. I want that for, you know, um, for my barn. I want to fill my grain bin or the the sinful flesh is saying, oh man, what what's going to happen? Uh, if we have a bad year next year, I better hold on to this. Or the sinful flesh is saying, man, I, I, I really want to, um, you know, uh, I'd really like to buy a new Ferrari or whatever, you know, whatever people waste their money on these <laughs> days. Um, uh 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 the the spirit of god says no the, the greatest thing i have in this life is is to stand in the presence of god in his temple uh, and rejoice in uh um the the good gifts that he provides for me and and so yeah that that sense of joy that sense of uh longing to stand before the presence of god uh it it makes this gift of the tithe Um, And this joyful experience of giving the tithe, all that much more wonderful because, well, where are you going with this? Well, you're going to God. (laughs) You're going to the place where the Lord has seated himself. Quite literally, you know, you've got the mercy seat, right? He has seated himself in mercy for your sake. And so let's go there and rejoice for what God has done for us. (laughs)
0: yeah I, I think we we need to have in our picture in, in our minds here a picture that that is a, a celebration party may seem a little too impious but this is a the bringing of the tithe is meant to be a, a joyful celebration and I think you know in in our modern world we we tend to think too poorly of the the ancient world but when you think through the book of Deuteronomy and what we've already heard about the wealth of the promised land, and the way that the Lord has promised to bless his people when they get there, we should have an, in mind a, a pretty extravagant celebration here. I'm not sure if I'm using the right adjectives, but but we, we want to picture this correctly so that we don't imagine just a sort of a poor gathering. But this is really quite the joyful celebration. And as you're saying, and rightly so, what makes it joyful is is that this is what the Lord has given. And here we are together in his presence, worshiping him, supporting the continued worship of him by supporting the priests and the Levites. Because as you said, there's going to be plenty there left over to take care of them for the time that they need. And then also, you know, joining together in this every third year tithe to take care of those who are needy. And again, this is a, this is a joyful thing because it all comes from the Lord. And, And maybe that, that takes us back to the beginning of the chapter that you mentioned already, that that the lord has set his people apart this is all by his grace and the tithe plays into that so how how does this matter of the tithe teach the people of of Israel to value the right things and and to be that holy people God has made them to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I like to even look at this, uh, this section, you know, God, God tells you right in the middle um, of this text, I think it's like verse 23. um, He says, um, you know, you should do this, that you may learn to fear the Lord, your God always. Mm. Right. That, 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 living in creation we live in an environment where there are, are natural scarcities uh, of of things that people desire um, uh, there and and then you know in our modern era we we live in a time where there's money and currency um, and actually we live in a time uh, of human history where our you know wealth is just unimaginable even the poorest among us are doing better than than many of the children of israel ever did Um, but as as we think about that um, there's also then that that natural uh our sin not natural uh by by creation but natural sinful inclination that people have um towards the love of wealth um because you, you think about it on a very human level um, as we live as human beings, as we live in this creation, uh, there is security and abundance, right? Um, you, know, you think about, you know, oh, if my car breaks down, what am I going to do? Well, uh, you don't have to worry about that as much if you can just go buy a new car or if you can afford to fix your car. Um, or, oh, if yeah. the price of groceries increases more than it does, what am I going to do? Well, you don't have to think about that if, you know, you don't have to worry about Buying groceries every week, or you can afford to eat out for every meal, or, or you know whatever it is. And so there's this this security and wealth, um, uh, on this very human fleshy level, and, and and in a way that then makes mammon into the kind of uh, mother of all idols, right? And and Jesus certainly says this. You know, when I say mammon, I mean material wealth. Um, um, you know, uh, having an abundance of the fruits of the earth, having an abundance of Uh, Resources, or having an abundance of money, or stuff, or whatever you want to think about it, Um, that this this material wealth, uh, you know, Jesus says that this this the love of mammon, the love of money, is is the root of all evil, right? Uh, And and so there's this kind of built into human society um, idol that exists here, and so what does God do? Um, to to kind of purge us of a love and a dependence on this idol, well, he says, give it away, right? Yeah. Set it aside. Um, um, you know, if if this is something that is going to control your heart, if this is something that's going to possess your life, it's going to be this on encompassing focus that you're going to find your ultimate security in this. Well, it's best that you don't have it. Trust in me, right? Uh, and I, I'm not saying that uh, you know, um, uh, you know, when you live paycheck to paycheck, you should sign your entire paycheck over to the you know local congregation. That would be irresponsible. But what it is saying is that well, uh, this this love of money, this love of Mammon, um, uh, can be a big stumbling block um, in, in the life of a Christian. And so, what, what does God say? Well, learn to fear Me. Learn to love Me. Learn to trust in Me above all things. And give this thing away. And I, I've got to tell you, when when I you know, uh I, I uh my son, you know, he's five and he had the collection of coins growing that he you know picked up around the house and in parking lots and stuff like that. And I said, Oh, maybe you should give some of that to the offering at Sunday school. That's a hard thing for us to do, um to dispossess mm-hmm. ourselves of what we think is rightfully ours. Um, he, he was not happy about that immediately um, and and that's what our sinful flesh does. it's not happy immediately about separating ourselves from what we believe is rightfully ours uh, And yet and this is why God says, well well then you should give it to things that actually but uh, give it to things that um, would, uh, orientate your life in the right direction, love of God and love of neighbor. Uh, this is why God commands us to give offerings in church. And this is why God teaches us to love our, uh, give our, give our material wealth to our neighbor in love. Uh, and so I think that's a really good blessing and a really good gift that we live under as God's people, that, uh, God sure. sees that in our hearts and says, well, if this is a false God for you, um, well, rid yourself of it. Uh,
0: that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love the simplicity with the way you said it. If, if this is going to become an idol for you and and it very well will be, then just give it away. And what a, what a simple solution. One that, as you said, our, our sinful flesh grates against. And yet one that when we see what the Lord has done for us already in, in bringing us salvation as he's done for his people, Israel, he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And when we see how the Lord is the one who's blessing us with daily bread, then that that giving away of what he's already given, that becomes this moment of joy that we're talking about, because it is centered in the Lord. Who he is and and what he's done for us We're going to keep talking about this tithe Commanded by the Lord in Deuteronomy 14 On the other side of the break you're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO We're talking with Pastor Jacob Dandy this morning We'll be right back Please stick around Sharper Iron. It is Friday, August 26th. We are studying Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 to 29 with Pastor Jacob Dandy. He serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Tarabella, California. Pastor Dandy, we've been talking about the tithe this morning, the giving of 10% that the Lord gives to his people here in Deuteronomy 14 for the purposes of worshiping him of supporting the Levites, of supporting those who are in need within the towns, this third year tithe that's described here at the end of our text. We've talked about the joyful nature of this and how in giving the things that he has given the lord teaches us not to make an idol of mammon you mentioned something about you know someone living paycheck to paycheck and not signing that over to the church that that would not be the the proper use of wealth that we're talking about here how does how does that use of wealth in addition to the the tie that we're seeing here how are uh, What are other ways that Christians make use of their wealth in God-pleasing ways, in addition to, you know, quote, giving to the church the tithe?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, it's it's very vocational, right? Um, so, yeah. you know, a, a father is going to go out and, and work, and, and, and what's, what's his work going to, to be for? Uh, well, it's going to be to provide for his wife and his children, right? Um, uh, and, and primarily, you know, um, husbands have this duty and this calling. You think about Ephesians 5, um, uh, he who loves him, his wife loves himself, right? Uh, that husbands are to provide for the needs of their wives, right? And so you, you think about uh, that aspect of life, that you have this this vocational calling to people, Um, uh, and that, that, that right there is, is highly important that, you know, um, uh, every, every honest man out there is going to make sure his children are fed, clothed, housed, uh, every honest man out there is going to make sure that his, um, his wife is, is, is well cared for, um, and provided for according to all of her needs. Right. And then you think about that in terms of maybe being a good citizen, right. Um, what do we as citizens do? Uh, and what are we as citizens called to do? Um, you know, all, every, what is it, April 14th, um, uh, but to pay our taxes, right? Uh, that we have this vocational calling as citizens to uh, render under Caesar what is Caesar's, um, and and to, to give these taxes that are, are demanded of us from our government uh, so that they can um, serve us as the, uh, the, the left-hand kingdom, the, the sword of kind of this human civil justice that we have in the world, um, uh, punishing the wicked and rewarding the good. Um, and then, of course, then you have this vocational aspect of the Christian life where um, what are then Christians called to invest their providential wealth that comes from God? Well, you know, also into love of the neighbor and the worship of the church, right? And so um, the bulk of our wealth really is going to go directly to our households, right? Um, It's going to go to paying mortgages, buying food, um, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, clothing those who live in your household um, a good portion is going to go to you know paying your taxes you know uh, and then and then you know there's the portion that we can give cheerfully um, towards the church right uh, and, and, and and all of these things you know a Christian can can invest and use this money with with a good conscience. Right. Um, uh, that is you have this providential wealth from God. You can you can invest it. You can use it wisely. You can you can spend it um, uh, uh, with with Christian consideration and wisdom um, and, and you can invest it into the, the people God has set before you. Um, you can invest it into the needs that are are set before you in your community. Um, But then also, you know, we we always make this provision uh, in the midst of what we have vocationally as Christians um, to know that the the thing that we cherish and that we value um, uh, uh, above all things is the worship of God, the means of grace, um, hearing good and faithful preaching. Uh, regularly and as often as we can. And and that is, that is worth our investment um, just as much or, or more so, well, just as much as uh, an investment into uh, making sure my children are educated well, making sure my children are fed nutritional and healthy food, that um, uh, the roof on my house isn't going to cave in, um, uh, and all of these things that we also have to consider from what God has provided for us. And so it really just boils down to what What calling has God placed you in in this life? Uh, A husband or a father, a mother, um, a grandparent. Uh, Grandparents love to invest their money into visiting and seeing their grandchildren. Um, uh, You know, these things all matter and these things are all a blessing from God as well. So.
0: One of the things that we've talked about in, in several opportunities here in the book of Deuteronomy, particularly in yesterday's text, the list of clean and unclean animals, we know from the New Testament that this does not apply to Christians in the same way as it does anymore. You know, Jesus gave Peter that vision in Acts 10 that said, do not call common what I have made clean, applying to the animals that, that are able to be eaten by Christians. And so with the tithe, similarly, nowhere in the New Testament do we see Jesus or one of his apostles say to Christians, give 10% of your grain and your, your flocks and, and all of that. How, how do we see what the same, the same ideas, the same background when it comes to the tithe in the Old Testament? How do we see that coming into the New Testament and applying to Christians' It, just in a different form
1: yeah yeah and so I think it boils down to um, the difference in what distinguishes the people of God in Deuteronomy to what distinguishes the people of God in in the New Testament you know the the things that were distinguishing the people of God were were these laws and these ordinances of God um, they didn't eat the the unclean foods. They they at um, uh, their life in certain ways. They wore certain types of garments and stuff like that. And so um, uh, the law of God distinguished the people of God as separate from the nations of the world. But in the New Testament, what distinguishes us is is something quite different. Where um, uh, not so much that we are all children of Abraham, and not so much that we we. Uh, have the, the law of the Sinai Covenant set before us. But um, what distinguishes us is uh, what Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2, as he says, you are a chosen race, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right. So you still have this distinct people set aside, holy for God, possessed by God as a people peculiar to him, But then it says, once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, right? And so what distinguishes the people of God in the New Testament is that they are those who dwell in the mercy of Christ. They're the ones who have received the mercy of God. Um, uh, And so the nature of the covenant is different. Um, the nature of the covenant is built around the mercy that God has shown us in the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right? Um, and so, maybe a good comparison, then, uh, this difference between maybe the old covenant and the new covenant um, uh, is, is maybe even the Sabbath, right? Um, and in the old covenant, the Sabbath was you do not work on Saturday. Right, Um, this is to be a day of rest. You do no work on it, and this is what sets you apart as the people of God. But then we look at what Martin Luther does uh, and says uh, in in his um, work with the fourth or third commandment, sorry, um, uh, in his large catechism. Well, he says, "Well, um, what does it mean to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy?" Well, it means that the Sabbath day is sanctified by the word of God, and every day is sanctified. By the word of God so long as the word of God is proclaimed because the word of God delivers us the mercy of God. It, uh, faith comes by hearing that we see and that we hear and that we know what Jesus has done for us through the forgiveness of sins, through the preaching, teaching, reading, study, and devotional life that is centered around and flows from the word of God. And so Martin Luther's, uh, um, and and Christians since then, uh, including Jesus and St. Paul, of course, um, say that uh, uh, no longer are we required to observe the Sabbath in the same way that the people of the old covenant were, You, which means you can go to work on Saturday, um, you can go to work on Sunday, so, uh, but uh, you also ensure that you do not despise preaching and God's word, because that's really the spirit behind it. It's to that God desires for us to hear his word. God desires for us to find our rest in Jesus. God desires for us to find our comfort in Christ. Now, when you take that same idea and you apply it to the tithe, well, what's the spirit behind it? Well, it's that, once again, uh, you aren't despising the worship of God, that you aren't making an idol out of your mammon. Um, out of your material wealth, um, those things that you hold before you in life, um, uh, and that you're not neglecting your neighbor in need. And so uh, does that mean 10% um, anymore? Well, no. Uh, uh, It can be be more than 10%. It can be less than 10%, um, but it should be uh, joyfully given as we support the preaching of the gospel, as we we see to it that we have the provision for the word of God, right? Uh, Martin uh, Martin Luther, I keep bringing him up today. Uh, yeah, he's he's a great teacher, but um, he he talks about this. Yeah, yeah, what a guy, right? Where um, uh, <laughs> he he talks about it like this, he says, um, you know, uh, we are to understand that ministers of the word are to be provided for with primary concern, for. Through them, not the belly, but the heart and the spirit are fed. And then the bellies of the poor are to be cared for. Therefore, faith in the word come first, and then love and the good deeds towards our neighbor. And hence it's to be the first concern that faith in the word are provided for, and then charity and the good work. But they are not provided for unless those who teach are nourished." Yes, if faith in the word perish, no love and good works would be left, right? And so, what's he saying here? Is that um, you know, uh, no, nothing that we apply our money to, even even those things that are really kind of good, wholesome, charitable things, right? You know, you know, donating to um, you know children's cancer society or food for the poor or you know these these big charitable. Um, groups that feed the hungry around the world, uh, uh, help clothe local needy children and provide school supplies. You know, you get all these things that are very good things that um, we as Christians can contribute to and give to uh, um, and are are certainly a blessing uh, for for the church to contribute to. But um, uh, none of them amount to much if our faith is not nourished, if the word is not preached, Um, uh, if we, if we don't hold fast to the, to the joy of hearing the sacred scripture that we, we don't receive the mercy of Christ, right? Because then we're no longer that distinguished people. Um, we're, we're like any, any, uh, billionaire philanthropist trying to, to give to the needy for, for a tax write-off, right? Um, uh, or, or whatever it may be, um, but it's, it's what distinguishes the, the giving and the joyful giving of the Christian is that they, they give uh, in, in knowledge of the mercy of Christ. And, and that's the, the biggest thing that we, we hold on to as we as we live as the people of God, um, that, you know, 10 percent, less than 10 percent, more than 10 percent, 20 percent, 50 percent. You know, the percentage isn't what matters. It's that, that we joyfully give to support the preaching of the word is that we joyfully support the love of our neighbor, is that we will live and stand in this great and wonderful mercy of God, because that is what distinguishes the Christian from the rest of the world, is that we have received mm. mercy.
0: That's a very helpful answer, Pastor Dandy, and, and and well said in a number of ways. I think we we can run into danger as Christians when we start to play these things against each other the importance of of hearing the word and supporting the proclamation of the gospel and the importance of of caring for the neighbor who is in need both of these things are certainly in view Deut- in Deuteronomy and, and both of those things are certainly emphasized for the Christian in the New Testament and when we start to to play them against each other we, we start to, to run more in the way of of legalism rather than in the spirit of joy mm-hmm. and in the gospel of what our Lord has done for us and you know I mean sometimes th- you'll you'll get questions like like this, well, you know, Pastor, I, I gave my ten percent to the church, but I want to support this organization. Is it okay if next month I I give two percent to you know this organization and eight percent to the church? Is that okay? And it's kind of like, well, yeah. I mean, that that's maybe I, I appreciate questions like that because I, I think they tend to be asked in good faith by Christians, but. The the goal, I think, in the New Testament is always to move us toward this joyful spirit of giving in which we do support... Both and, you know, we, we give to support the proclamation of the gospel. We give to support the neighbor in need, according to the means that God has provided, never out of, of guilt, but always out of joy for what the Lord has done and continues to do for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so if you, and I heard, a, I heard it, and I can't remember who said this to me, but I heard a really good pastor. He must've been good. Cause I'm remembering what he said. Um, but <laughs> I heard a really good pastor say a few years ago, um, whenever a church member asked him, to uh how much they should give to the church. His answer was well well give in the way that that makes you have the most joy, right? Um, so give the amount that gives you joy. Um, and, and and that's I think that's a very good answer. Um, that that you know Christians, according to the Spirit of God once again, rejoice in hearing the gospel. They rejoice in having a shepherd. Uh, uh, serve as a steward of the gifts of God. They rejoice in having the Lord's Supper. They rejoice in having, um, uh, their family, their, their family and their children baptized. They rejoice in good catechesis within the church, right? And they rejoice in having a a building that's, that's functional that they can go and worship in. Um, and so, um, you know that that's that's a good and noble thing to give to and so contribute to that way to that in the way that will give you the most joy right um you know uh, uh and then contribute to your neighbor in need as well um whoever that neighbor may be you may not know them uh but i think that's that's kind of the the best advice that we can we can really think of well, well what percentage of my income should i give well uh yeah. what gives you joy and give to it? Um, what, what amounts would, would cause you to rejoice the most? Um, and, and a good example of that is, you know, you think about the, um, uh, Jesus and the, uh, widow woman in the temple, right? She had the, the two, uh, copper mites or t- copper coins. And, uh, she, she gives that a little bit, uh, but she gives in faith. And she gives rejoicing, knowing that God has provided for her and cared for her to this point, and um, that what she gives goes to the thing she delights in the most. And that is the, the worship of God in his holy habitation. Uh, and we in the New Testament have that as well. And uh, I think that's something that um, we should consider. And, th- and maybe a, a good way, and, and and maybe a good way to diagnose if maybe our, our hearts are. Um, uh, a little corrupted in this as Christians is to ask ask yourself the question, you know, if I won the lottery, um, what would I do with it? Right. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of, that's a fun question to ask sometimes, you know, uh, well, you know, maybe I'd buy a, a, a speedboat or um, I'd, uh, you know, finally take that vacation to Germany or, you know, whatever, whatever people say. Um, but then, you know, um, is part of that, Oh well, the the roof's about to cave in on my church. Maybe I should think about that. Or, oh man, my my uh my pastor hasn't had a raise in twelve years, and uh, he's been driving that eighty nine Buick back and forth for his shut in visits for a long time. And maybe we should think about giving him a raise. Or you know um uh, that that side of uh, that part of that sort of thing. Um uh m- you know maybe these are things that we should uh s- consider within ourselves. You know um. Uh, what value do we ascribe to the worship of God? What value do we ascribe to having um, a called shepherd set over us in the Church of God to care for us, to to visit us when we're sick, to regularly preach the truth of God's word to us uh, um, uh, as faithfully as they can, um, uh, to instruct our children, and come alongside us if we instruct our children in the faith? What what do we what? What benefit uh, do we ascribe to it? What joy do we ascribe to those things? Um, and you know, a lot of times, I, you know, I come across this more often than uh, I'd consider, you know, I, I ever thought I would. But I come across really pious Christians who who say, "Man, I really hope I get a bonus this year um, because you know that the the, um, the the church needs uh, a little help with." Um, uh, you know, with with the roof fund, or the church needs a little help with uh, um, uh, repainting the exterior, or the the bricks need to be tuck,ed or you know whatever. Um, uh, and you know these these are pious things to consider, um, and good things to consider. And I think that's a really kind of a a thing, a benefit and a fruit that works within us. On the same note, there's there's also very pious Christians who love the preaching of the word that can give very little. Um, as they are just striving to get along, feed their children, stay employed, and all of these things. And, and they should never feel um, as if they are inferior Christians because they give less. Um, uh, they, they rejoice in the preaching of God's word, and yet God has called them vocationally to give to other things as well. Uh, and and so uh, and to contribute to the the needs of their family, the the maintenance of their household, the the love of their their children or their spouse, um, and all of these things though we remind ourselves, well, we're being oriented um, towards the love of God and the love of neighbor, and these are blessings and and. Uh, as as God directs our life, as long as uh, as long as we live in this mercy of Christ, we have that freedom uh, as the people of God, and that's that's really mm. a, a wonderful thing to remember in all of this.
0: I, I like the the way you used the word freedom there at the end, and, and what you were saying about you know again bringing up the vocational responsibilities that we have, such that it doesn't become a game of comparison or, you know, you gave this much and you're a better Christian, you gave this much and you're not as good of a Christian. That's, again, the, the wrong way to look at these things. It is it is a matter of considering the joy that the Lord has given based on what he's done, what he continues to provide. Again, to, to think through Deuteronomy, think of the great bounty that they received and the way they gave joyfully from it, How much more today with the bounty that the Lord has given to us and the way that we too can respond in joy and, and where that joy is, is lacking. As you said, that's a a moment for self-examination and for repentance where necessary. Why? Why is it that I am not joyful when I put the the offering envelope in the offering plate? Why why is there no joy when I see a neighbor in need and I'm called upon to to give toward him to help him? Well, if there is no joy, that is a moment for for reflection, for self-examination and for repentance as necessary. So that the Lord would would then show us his great mercy to us and bring us into that forgiveness yet again and into the joy of, of recognizing that all that we have is a gift from him. And, and what wonder when when he allows us to take that then and, and give to him to support the proclamation of his word and to the neighbor in need that that he might care for them through that that gift that is given. again this is kind of the living in the law and the gospel for Christians you know the need for daily repentance and forgiveness coming in, in full bear when it comes to the matter of, of giving of tithing of stewardship, Hopefully so that these words don't become the the dreaded words when you hear your pastor bring that up and the the scary soundtrack music plays or something like that. (laughs) But but it is a a joyful, a joyful moment. Uh, We have about three minutes here, Pastor Danny, help us to to wrap things up on this text about tithing and and the way that we have this Christian joy to give.
1: Yeah. You you know, and, you know, think about what you just said there. Um, When we we think about the, the law as baptized Christians, you know, according to the flesh, it's always an offense, right? Um, you know, any aspect of the law, according to our flesh is going to be offensive and we're going to chafe against it and kick and scream and complain. And that, that's like, there's that little part of us is that when we write that check for the offering every week or whatever it is, um, is going to say, oh man, I could really have used that for something else. Right. Um, and, and we have to acknowledge and understand that we, we have that sinful flesh. Um, uh, and this is part of the reason why God um, uh, uh, asks of us and, and has this law that, that, we, that we give of what we receive from the fruits of the earth, that we give what we receive uh, um, in our earthly, of our earthly and providential wealth, um, that, that we would kind of mortify that flesh. That we would put it to death that that this this thing would be set aside um, so that that we are set free and in love right but the spirit when it hears this law and receives it rejoices and as we are christians we have the spirit of god dwelling within us we have faith in the risen lord jesus christ um we have the forgiveness of sins and the life everlasting Uh, And so, you know, as, as it says in Proverbs, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, And, and why um, is there a such thing as a cheerful giver? Well, it's because God has loved us. God has loved us in Christ. God has set us free from our sin. Um, Our sinful flesh is daily drowned and put to death in our waters of our baptism through the words of holy absolution, uh, through the the promises and the work of our Savior uh, applied to our life every day. Uh, And so we can um, contribute to the kingdom of God, uh, the preaching of God's word, the, the worship of our Lord, and to the needs and the love of our, and care and love of our neighbor with joy. Um, and that that flows in, and, and lives in us because we have received mercy. We have the grace of Christ dwelling in our life and in our hearts through the forgiveness of sins that we have uh, been blessed with through Christ. Um, and And so that's that's the great hope that we we draw from this text as people of the New Testament that that we have this joyful opportunity to um, care for our neighbor and to to receive the preaching of God's word in our lives and that's that's great. It's wonderful.
0: Pastor Jacob Dandy is pastor at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Tarabella, California, helping us today with Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 to 29. Pastor Dandy, thanks for being our guest today. It's been a pleasure. We are a people of joy. Those who have been made children of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, called by His grace. He provides all that we need, and it is a joy for us to give toward the preaching of the gospel to help the neighbor in need all out of joy for what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about the book of Deuteronomy, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.